0: Hey everyone, it's Britt here, and I'm recording this out of the comfort of my own home. As you may know, we're going through a major pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. This has caused a lot of concerns, anxiety, and raises a lot of political and societal problems. And people have a lot to say about it. So in the next series of special episodes, I'm interviewing everyday people, medical professionals, people who have lost their jobs and more to talk about the all around issues and pet peeves about COVID-19. So let's jump into it. This is What the Peeve, a show that explores the funny, <laughs> strange, and serious pet peeves that people have. <laughs> Agree or not, our unapologetic podcast is on a mission to make people less shitty to one another. We're finding a way to make the world a better place, fixing one pet peeve at a time. I'm your host, Brittany Ween.
1: I'll give you my hot take. It's like watching the Tiger King and then turning to your partner in the end credits and being like, you know, based on this film, I think our relationship is healthy and our pets are happy.
2: Oh my God. I have never thrived so much in my OCD life. It's like... Now I get to disinfect literally everything and no one is judging me. They're just trying to copy.
3: There just doesn't seem to be like a unified message for people on the front line. And that's been
2: incredibly frustrating.
1: I'm worried about rent and somebody, you know, is like, oh man, I really don't know. Like I can't get my groceries delivered till the middle of April.
2: Literally holding himself back, not to just scream at that. Yeah, Sharon, we're doing this because of you. Like we're losing our jobs. We're unemployed to protect you. Stop complaining.
0: So first things first, how's everyone doing? I'm currently in self-isolation, talking to myself, all alone in my place in Toronto. So please excuse the sound quality as I'm not in my regular studio. Anyways, before we jump into our first guest, I'd like to briefly talk about some of my thoughts on this pandemic. There are so many things I'd like to say, but I think I'll start off with the fact that in the beginning, of this pandemic people were basically going to the store hoarding toilet paper hoarding cleaning supplies and acting basically like the apocalypse is happening and it's sort of understandable as it does seem like the apocalypse is sort of happening but what makes me frustrated about this is that first of all although I'm not a doctor I can fully say the virus does not cause you to have explosive diarrhea and a consistent line of shit coming out of your ass. So you really don't need to use that much toilet paper. Second of all, it's also being mindful of other families and people who can't afford to buy a hundred rolls of toilet paper or stockpile on cleaning supplies all at once. And thirdly, during this pandemic, grocery stores are still open. Essential businesses are still open so you can still get your supply of toilet paper and cleaning supplies. And I think this is one of the cases of how people lack empathy during times of crisis. So in the next couple episodes, you'll hear me talk to people about their pet peeves on COVID-19 and how we can learn about taking the steps to be more empathetic and less shitty to one another during times of crisis. Anyways, let's jump into our first guest, Dan Spirin. He's a political comedy writer, works extensively in media, and he's one of my advisors. He's here to talk about his pet peeves on the Canadian attitude towards this pandemic. So first things first, how are you? I just want to know, like, just kind of checking up on you and how you're uh, dealing with social distancing.
1: I think that I would be a lot better if I hadn't spent a good portion of my career in news and politics. (laughs) Like if I, if I just didn't know anything, and could just watch Netflix. But any situation that like involves people acting responsibly, corporations acting ethically, our media slowing down, our government speeding up is basically a Stephen King novel to me. It's kind of hard not to just sit and enjoy yourself and like just bake bread. It's, it's, it's for me, like watching the news and politics, is just frightening. at like a different level now. So I think, like, my biggest pet peeve that if I'll just end up launching into a rant, but I think my biggest pet peeve right now is the, like, usual Canadian smugness of, like, at least we're not America because that's sort of terrifying right now.
0: Oh, I think having a lot of conversations with my peers and just listening and looking at Canadian news right now, and then you have the juxtaposition between... Seeing Justin Trudeau addressing the nation, and then you see Trump addressing the nation. Yeah,
1: but it's it's it so hard because Canada's pastimes, I think, are like hockey, like pretending Drake is a good person, and then feeling smug about not being America. Like our identity, I think, is somewhat hey, we're at least we're not them. So like you saw that you always see that with healthcare, or like the memes of meanwhile in Canada. And I think that's usually pretty unhealthy on, like, a regular, like, dress down Friday. But when we're, in, when we're in full pandemic mode, it's it's really it's really frightening. Because I'll give you my hot take. It's like watching the Tiger King and then turning to your partner in the end credits and being like, you know, based on this film, I think our relationship is healthy and our pets are happy. Like, that is not the bar for where we should be in how we're dealing with our own pandemic. But I go on Facebook or Instagram And somebody's like, oh, my God, America. And you just want to shake them and be like, Canada also has a deadly virus and isn't only available at like in an out Burger. Like the least we're not America lane is going to get us killed because America has driven fully off a cliff.
0: (laughs) Yes, it certainly has. What do you want to kind of say to those people who are just uh, at least we're not America right now?
1: okay so this is my solution to this problem i think you need to treat covid like mass shootings because if we have a mass shooting in canada you're not like yeah but like america has one a day so relax like we freak out because we should they have one a day like american society right now is just so messed up you could actually make an argument like america's covid silver lining is that nobody can gather in enough numbers to be shot like as you said like Trudeau looks great, but, like, Trump is on Twitter bragging about his ratings for the briefings where he updates people how bad he is at protecting them from a virus. And it's so weird to me. Like, what would be the Canadian counter to that? Is Trudeau going to be like, so, like, I know a lot of you are born at home, but if you check our website, I've dropped some new blackface photos. And, like, even if he did that, white folks in Moose Jaw would still be like, well, you know, at least he isn't bragging about his COVID death. I think because I'm a little bit older, like I'm in my 30s. So I was in high school when 9-11 happened. And then I had my first like television show when 2008 and the stock market crashed. So I think for older millennials, we have some sort of metric to look back on and be like, how is this going to be handled? And how is this? And I remember when I was in high school and 9-11 happened, it was like the first sense of like, oh, our society can't adjust on the fly well and the cnn feed had like a had a full blown jingle it was like america under attack and you just remember being like okay the sky is literally falling you do not have to sensationalize this but they're so used to it that they don't know when to take their foot off the brick. you literally had like a tower falling and there was some guy in the studio being like can we get better music for that like it's so it's so bizarre and i feel like that's kind of like what's happening right now is a little bit like we're all stuck in the plot of contagion but our media is still like we'll tell you what i love the grocery store won't kill you that's coming up <laughs> in the next hour and you're just like no like wait stop we already are we're, we're already watching we're already there but everyone continues on as normal like one of the things that i don't know if you've seen this yet but it, I just can't get over it. It's like public opinion polling is still happening. Like I, there was a a story the other day that was like, according to a new poll, a majority of Canadians feel anxious. Like, I know you don't have a job. You can't leave your house. You're worried if you hit up a 7-Eleven, you might get plagued. But we're just wondering for our crucial public opinion poll, like, how are you feeling?
0: Okay, to wrap things up, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to say to people out there?
1: Here's my big thing. I honestly think social media is it needs to be put on a diet right now so it's like i really hope that people are responsible with their social media and only sharing information that they know is true sharing like government resources is better than sharing a hot take of somebody who's like i've decided to make my own version of this government information like no so somebody who was like around when social media began this is what we thought social media was just going to be like pandemic social media It's just what I was hoping social media would be in general Like you get to hang out with your friends when you're not seeing them You get to hang out with strangers You get to watch great entertainers put on shows Like this is sort of what peak distraction was supposed to be And we turned it into like Netflix and Tinder
0: So what are your thoughts on how social media is being used right now? Do you feel like it's finally being put to proper use? I think that social media has been a tool right now that's been binding people together and for me, made social distancing a little more bearable. Next, we have Gabe, a resident physician doing emergency medicine in Toronto. He's gonna be giving us a little bit of a COVID-19 one-on-one lesson, what his frustrations are, and debunking some COVID-19 myths.
3: It's a really scary time. Uh, right now, I think for healthcare providers across the country and and in the world, I think we recognize how scary this is. I think partly because we know how maxed out our system has always been. Like if you went to any intensive care unit in December, it would have been completely full, and that's the case for most of uh, Canada. Is all of our beds are typically full. Most people hang out in the hallway waiting to be admitted to hospital at baseline for a day or sometimes two days. And so we've already been operating at 100% capacity. So I think a lot of us are really scared about what this actually means when we start seeing waves of people coming into the hospital, like they have been in Italy or now in New York, and then running out of capacity. And, you know, especially people who work in critical care like I do, you start Getting into future ethical scenarios that you might be worried about, about who gets a ventilator, who doesn't get a ventilator, who gets treated, who doesn't get treated. And then there's the personal health risk as well. I mean, you've probably heard about all of the PPE, personal protective equipment shortages that's been happening. And so going into work, there's definitely this uneasiness. About what this means for you know your friends and your family and your own personal health, also. So it's it's been a really unsettling time.
0: Um, let's talk a little more about the personal protective equipment shortage. I've been like hearing around social media how people buy masks and hoard masks, and can you just talk a little bit more about that?
3: So as healthcare providers, there are a few pieces of equipment that's absolutely necessary for us when we're working with patients that have COVID. So when it comes to guidelines on best practice, when we're faced with a person who may or may not have COVID, we're recommended that we wear a gown, gloves, as well as a surgical mask. And that's mostly because COVID is transferred through droplet uh, secretions. And as healthcare providers, we often do procedures that are very close to people's face, very close to people's bodies. Now, if we're doing procedures where we call it aerosolizing procedures, so this refers to someone who becomes very sick and requires oxygen. As we increase the amount of oxygen that the person gets, what happens to those little pieces of respiratory droplets is that they start becoming aerosolized. So the equivalent to that would be if you wanted to get a spray bottle, every time you squeeze the spray bottle is aerosolizing the liquid that's inside and kind of misting it everywhere. So when that starts to happen with some of the procedures that we do, whether it be oxygen support, whether it be putting someone on a ventilator. So putting someone on a ventilator entails me getting up close to people's face, putting in a piece of equipment to open the mouth wide, and then basically insert a tube into the lungs. So it's, I'm as close as I could possibly be to someone. When we do those kinds of procedures, we're supposed to wear personal protective equipment that includes an N95 mask. And the reason it's called an N95 mask is that it blocks 95% of particulates. So surgical masks don't necessarily protect you from aerosolized particles, but N95 masks block out 95% of them. And so these are essential pieces of equipment, as you can imagine. I, I don't think any general person in the public is ever exposed to that kind of safety risk. And it's becoming an issue because there are places in Canada where you know hospitals are running low on these masks and employees are being asked to, for example, use one surgical mask a day or two surgical masks for the entire day. In the United States, it's even worse. There are employees that are unable to get a mask at all. And now you're in a situation where the CDC is saying things like, you know, in that situation, you might consider using a bandana or a scarf, things that have no evidence. And you essentially what you're having is you're having frontline workers exposing themselves to serious risks to their personal health because there's just a mask shortage And so it's been actually one of my really big pet peeves when I do see people in grocery stores, for example, with these masks that you don't need when you're looking for the size of the banana that you want, but you actually do very much need when you're trying to save someone's life. And that's, I think, become quite a frustrating topic for me.
0: What other frustrations as a medical professional do you have about this? I think
3: one of the other things that I've been a little bit frustrated about is the absence of clear messaging. In regards to COVID, I don't know how much, you know, people in the general public kind of feel this, but I certainly feel this as a healthcare provider. Guidelines are changing hour to hour when it comes to COVID in terms of who gets screened, who doesn't get screened. It's like I show up to work every day and I have to ask people, who who are the people that get screened? Uh, Has that changed because now we have community transmission or no? I think the kinds of messaging that's being provided to healthcare providers doesn't feel very unilateral. Uh, I don't really have one clear person to get guidelines from, because, you know, there's the public health guidelines, but every hospital I work at seems to have a different policy when it comes to things like personal protective equipment or screening guidelines, in addition to public health policy. And there just doesn't seem to be like a unified message for people on the front line. And that's been incredibly frustrating.
0: From your hospital, what messaging have they told you?
3: At the hospital I'm at currently, we can wear a mask all day. So I wear one mask for most of my shift. And then I kind of switch the mask if I uh, see someone with a respiratory condition. But at different hospitals, I've heard different policies. I've, I've heard some hospitals say you can't wear a mask the entire shift. You should only wear a mask if you're seeing patients with possible COVID and not patients with, say, a laceration on the hand.
0: How do you feel about that?
3: It poses a real issue, because the reality is, in emergency medicine, first off, I can see someone for chest pain who doesn't have respiratory symptoms, and then by the end of my shift, they're requiring oxygen and are critically ill. Things change very quickly and rapidly in the emergency department. The other issue is, we do know that asymptomatic transmission is a thing, and we know that there are patients who don't have symptoms that are coming in for different things that may actually in fact, have COVID. And then there's also a third thing, which is that some patients lie. There have been patients that lie to triage uh, and tell them they haven't traveled and then come see the doctor and say, oh, yeah, I did travel. So there are things that you can and can't control. But one of the things that you can control is your personal safety.
0: What systems that should be in place to ensure that everyone is safe?
3: The reality is the reason social distancing works is that Basically what it's called in epidemiology is we call this the R-naught. Essentially what it is, if one person gets an infection, it's a term that indicates how contagious the infectious disease is. So if I had COVID, how many people likely would I infect with my COVID? So COVID has an R-naught of about two. So what that means is for every person that gets COVID, they're likely to infect two other people. So you can see how this will spread very quickly. So that's why social distancing is very important, because there are a lot of people that won't have a lot of symptoms with COVID.
0: How do you feel about the people who aren't respecting social distancing rules and don't think that this is a serious issue?
3: I mean, I get incredibly mad about it, but I think at the end of the day, people have distrust towards authority. People have distrust towards people telling them what to do or what not to do. And some people, frankly, believe whatever they read on YouTube conspiracy channels, and they may believe that this is, you know, something that's created by the government to try and take away your liberties, etc, etc. I'm sure we've all heard this, but it's not going to feel real, I think, until you get it, until your mom or your dad gets it, until you start seeing loved ones that you know, passing away or becoming critically ill from COVID, that's when things are going to really start feeling real. And the saddest thing is, is that by the time we start seeing this happening and the waves start really coming in, it's going to be too late. And we're really in this window period where if this works out well, then three weeks from now, people will start saying that we were overreacting all along.
0: Let's kind of go through the myths of COVID-19 for the people out there. For sure.
3: I go over stuff that my mom's told me. <laughs> so my mom tells me to saltwater gargle. I don't know if you guys heard that. One.
0: Oh, yes, I've heard that one.
3: <laughs> I think it was like some WhatsApp message that went around for a while. And like all the boomers got it. Yeah, that doesn't work.
0: What about spraying alcohol over your body? <laughs>
3: uh, I didn't hear that one, but that's hilarious. Um I mean, yes. Spray uh, hand sanitizer on your hands. I think that's a good idea. You need a certain percentage of alcohol for it to actually kill COVID, right? So if you're just taking your like ten dollars smear off and like rubbing it on your body, I don't know if it's going to really do a whole lot. Maybe just make you smell funny. Do you have more? I have. I actually had found something that one of the docs on Twitter had posted.
0: Okay, what uh, is it? That
3: are pretty. Okay, so one is in the summer, the virus will spread more due to mosquito bites. So That's like not true because the virus is spread in respiratory droplets, not through blood. One thing that Trump talked a lot about was that coronavirus would go away in the summer months. So pandemics don't follow uh, weather patterns. I mean, it hasn't in the past. Oh, I saw this one. So hand sanitizer is better than soap and water. Uh, So that's not true either. So soap and water kills the antivirus. So does hand sanitizer. But the perks of soap and water is that it also washes away the virus from your skin. And it also cleans like visibly soiled hands as well.
0: Because that's like one of the things that I don't necessarily understand why people are buying buckets and buckets of hand sanitizer when you should be self-isolating. So that means you have soap and water at home. Yeah,
3: exactly. And even uh, so the other tip I also give people is I notice in like grocery stores that all the Lysol is sold out. But there are still, like, liters and liters of bleach. So the WHO suggests that you can actually take bleach and dilute bleach. And you could use that as uh, Lysol, similarly, on surfaces to disinfect surfaces. So that's totally something that, like, you could do in a pinch if you don't have Lysol.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Gabe. Thank
3: you. I hope it's, like, uh, interesting and I'm happy to... uh, answer any questions if you guys have anything.
0: No worries, it's been like really fun talking to you, really insightful and very educational. <laughs> I think we can all learn from Gabe that firstly, this is a serious issue that spreads extremely fast. We all must take safety precautions in order to keep everyone safe. And that we shouldn't believe every single COVID fact that we get from Facebook, Twitter, or even our parents. Lastly, we have Mariana, someone who has a predisposition to COVID-19. She's here to basically let out all of her frustrations, talk about her fears, and talk about how people are being really dumb right now. Do you think that you're either sniffling because of seasonal allergies or just sniffling because you may have the coronavirus? Like I have
2: asthma, so like all of the symptoms that are like mandatory or like, oh, Check out if you have this to see if you have COVID. I have them all year round. So like dry new coughs. I don't know if I'm having a new attack, then I'm going to have a dry new cough. Or severe shortness of breath. Well, guess what? Allergies also causes that. And then there's pollen everywhere. And then, I don't know, dust. And then I also get like, oh, do you have a new headache? I don't know. Is it sinus infections? Is it just stress and anxiety? Because that happens too. Is it caffeine withdrawal? Because I'm not drinking coffee every day anymore.
0: Damn, there's a lot of things running through your head right now, right? Yeah. So let's let's kind of talk about that right now. When the whole entire pandemic occurred and ensued, um, what was your initial reaction?
2: Well, when it started, I was just like, it's not that bad. And then my mom but my mom is always like, whatever you do, you're going to get sick and die. Because I was literally that child. I, got, I get sick all the time. And then eventually my mom's threats started to become real. I have been having a wonderful time playing a game of do I have seasonal allergies or am I going to die in the next two weeks? Because, oh, if you have asthma, high chances you're going to need to go to the hospital if you get this mild flu because you're going to have multiple complications and you're going to die.
0: So that's me. So are you saying that you do have a fear of getting COVID-19? Absolutely. I hate hospitals and I don't want to end up in one. So let's kind of talk about a little bit more about your fears with COVID-19. Like you already stated that you have asthma. You already have like a predisposition to getting this virus. Uh, What things are you doing to make sure you not get this and prevent it
2: oh my god i have never thrived so much in my ocd life it's like now i get to disinfect literally everything and no one is judging me they're just trying to copy but nothing goes in and out without getting like a nice bath and like disinfectant soap and water like if i go outside i come back in immediately and then just like shower scrub everything take all the clothes off It's been adding to my laundry, but good thing I don't leave the house very often. You don't leave the house very often?
0: No. Do you um, only leave for groceries, I guess?
2: Yeah, but I've been trying to avoid doing that. Like, yesterday I went to shoppers because I was in dire need of, like, basic stuff like bread, milk, eggs, cereal, breakfast foods in general. Toilet paper, by the way. Oh, they finally stocked up. And... That it was just like, just this ominous air. Like, they have like, they have pieces of tape to tell people how far apart they should stand from each other in the line. And there's just like this whole feeling in the air that something is very, very wrong.
0: And I'm just like, okay, this is how I die. I think like going to any like essential. Um, like grocery store now you see the tape you see less people in the stores and then you see sometimes people putting a protective barrier in between themselves and the customers
2: yeah although I do totally get it because we don't have anything to give us like barriers in between customers and literally for clarity I work in the mall that is a very popular mall in Toronto and We work in a very popular store, especially with the elderly people, parents, and kids, because that's our main demographic. So, middle of the pandemic, reduced hours, no one out on the streets, but guess who was there? Elderly couples and parents with their children. What makes you frustrated about that? Oh my god, I had to like watch the elderly couple, talk to my cashier, and argue with him, because they didn't like this whole reduced hours pandemic thing and my cashier was just like literally holding himself back not to just scream at that yeah sharon we're doing this because of you like we're losing our jobs we're unemployed to protect you stop complaining and then like kids running around spreading their germy little hands everywhere oh my
0: goodness what a customer service experience right there yeah
2: and it's just like there's parents, and like all you could see in the mall were people with strollers and elderly couples, like everyone else was either like at their own jobs or at home, like we're trying to protect all
0: of you, all of you are the problem. Let's talk about more about these elderly people coming into your store and how they're acting. I didn't know that they were basically complaining about reduced hours and everything like that. Let's uh, dive a little bit more into that.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it's because they think that it's more important to buy, like, I don't know, two pairs of underwear and a discount sweater than it is to just stay home and be safe. And everyone, for some reason, was paying cash. Like, my cashier was literally, he was screaming internally the entire time.
0: Because he's basically touching every single person.
2: Everyone was paying cash that day. Guys, please use your cards. Please don't let me touch you. And we're disinfecting everything. Like, the first thing that I did as soon as I
0: got to work was disinfect everything I touched. What are your opinions on people who don't take this seriously and just think it's a tiny, tiny flu?
2: (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I am screaming internally because yeah most cases present mildly yes it might not be as serious but the thing is if you have like assume that your population has a hundred thousand people and then 70% of people are supposed to get sick like this is a virus you might have the COVID-19 if you don't have symptoms at all and but you could be like me and be like oh if I have COVID-19 I am going to end up in a hospital. But what happens if there's only 10 beds in a hospital and 10% of your population is in respiratory distress? If you have 100,000 people, there's, those 10 beds are gonna be busy as hell. So I was just like, you're saying that I need to die for this, basically. And people are just like, oh no, it's invincible. They're just like, you know what, I can't handle this. And there's a lot of people who can't handle this kind of
0: sickness. How do you feel about the lack of empathy people have?
2: I get so angry because then it's just like, there's two main discourses, especially because I've been following a lot of US politics because I'm also American. And oh my God, it's just like, it's (laughs) in (sighs) light. There's the eco-fascist discourse. It's just like, oh, look at all these people dying. It's better for the environment. It's like, no, it's not. Once everyone finishes dying, we're gonna go back to what we usually do, which is destroy the fucking planet. And there's then the people that are just like, oh, you the economy is tanking. We must pursue. You know what? You can't have an economy if you if you kill everyone.
0: And that's it for the first of many COVID-19 episodes. I know this is a difficult time right now, but only leave your place when you really need to. Don't hoard toilet paper and check up on your loved ones. In next week's episode, I'm going to be talking to a traveling physician in the States treating people with COVID-19. And I'm going to be speaking to some residents of the States to see what the situation is over there. This is What The peeve and I'm your host, Brittany Ween. For all the latest updates, or if you want to be featured on our podcast, be sure to follow us and send us a DM on Instagram at whatthepeeve underscore. Please support our podcast by subscribing and giving us a five-star review. Thank you again.